Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Star Wars Lads, episode 35. My name is Liam, and I'm joined today by Sonic. And today we've got a big show for you. We've got the Bad Batch episode 11, Devil's Deal, full spoiler review and discussion. We've got the Race to Crash Point Tower spoiler review. And we'll also touch on The Rising Storm, which we reviewed fully yesterday. And if you want to check out our video, we talked for an hour about The Rising Storm and speculated about the future books and talked all about the different characters and stuff. And we will give you kind of a summary of those thoughts at the end, a very short summary. But if you want to see our more full review, go check that one out on YouTube. But today, before we get started, we've been discussing this channel and, and this podcast a lot lately. And we decided we're going to take some things in a few different directions, but nothing's really changing. We're just adding to the show. Uh, so as always, the episodes will still continue to be on Friday. We'll, we might, you know, change it up eventually once Bad Batch is over, but the main episode, the Star Wars Lads episodes that are numbered are still going to continue on Fridays and they're still going to be Bad Batch heavy until we're done with the show at the, in the middle of August. And then we'll start to change up the format a little bit but they'll kind of serve as a summary for everything we've talked about in the week for all the other topics since the Bad Batch is such a big topic and takes up most of our time in order to make it more of a manageable show, a show that's a little bit more time manageable. We'll be talking about comics and stuff that comes out weekly every Wednesday when they come out, and Star Wars is now in a good schedule of releasing. They have enough series where they release a comic every single Wednesday, so we'll have comic reviews on Wednesdays for you next time that they come out so starting next wednesday we released one yesterday we were day off but next wednesday we're going to have comic reviews i don't remember which books come out next week but we'll have those for you so whether it's one review or two reviews they'll all be on one episode coming out on wednesdays we're also going to start doing more specialized segments and different types of mini episodes usually trying to range around 10 to 20 minutes those will be coming out mostly on mondays could be spread across the week depending on scheduling, but mostly coming out on Mondays, those will include you know, any any number of range of, of topics, whether it's a tier list or a top 10 or a full book, like a book analysis on Legends books or something more Legends specific or a character deep dive, some, something more specific and, and ranged in the Star Wars universe that doesn't necessarily have to do with current events, but still is kind of Star Wars related that we want to talk about. So we want to give a variety of different shows. And if you want to comment below on our video, or if you're on, listening on podcast and you want to send us a message on Facebook, send us an email, Star Wars Lads podcast at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram. You can do that and let us know which kind of topics or which types of videos you want to see us do because we're going to start just doing one every single Monday and some throughout the week as well. We're also going to start switching as we did with the rising storm yesterday. We're going to start doing full reviews on books like that, that definitely deserve a full episode of, of our time. We're going to start doing those as soon as we finish the book. So we don't get review copies. Hopefully we do eventually, but we don't get review copies. And so we're reading at the same time as the rest of you when you get those books. So, we, in order to, you know, limit this show to more of the highlights of, of our Star Wars week, we kind of want to focus, if we're going to do something very specific like that, in a separate show. So you can go check that out, as I said, on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, please subscribe, get, hit the notification bell, so you know all of the new things coming out from Star Wars Lads every single week. As we said, we're going to release minimum three videos during the work week. And as well on Saturdays, still there'll be all the segments from this week's episode 
coming out on Saturday. So if you don't have time to watch the full hour to hour and a half long episode, don't worry because you can watch each individual part on YouTube in segmented form. They all start releasing at 11, depending on how many segments we have. We They should be released within every 45 minutes to an hour after that. So pretty much from 11 to about three, they get released every week. So those go up on Saturdays. So that's what we're planning on doing right now. We're hoping to give you guys more content and a little bit more diverse content instead of just the same podcast format every single week, which we'll still be doing and it'll still be the main focus of our show. And for those of you on audio, this is nothing's changing really at all. It's just we're expanding it and adding more stuff on YouTube. And so if you want to check us out there and you haven't checked us out on visual yet and you're just listening to podcasts, you can get other types of shows on top of your weekly podcast that you can still listen to on audio every single week. So with all the the uh, stuff out of the way, the announcements, the news, let's get into the Bad Batch episode 11. And this is a spoiler review. If you didn't listen last week, we're not doing the non-spoiler anymore. Just by the time we get this up, I feel like most of you guys want to talk spoilers. So we're going to be diving into spoilers for Bad Batch episode 11, Devil's Deal. So if you haven't watched... Uh, either skip we we put timestamps in the videos so you can skip to race to crash point tower if that's more what you're interested in or the end of the video or you can just leave and come back go watch the show come back and watch the rest of this later but we will be diving into spoilers for the bad batch episode 11 devil's deal and this was a really surprising episode not gonna lie i was i was really stunned what this episode was about and i i brought up last week with avi singh i've been bringing back up for a while that i this show is going to be the bridge between Clone Wars and Rebels. I, I would hope that there are a few more other shows that bridge that gap too, because that's a lot of story to cram into one series. But this started to be really the first true Rebels tie-in that really doesn't have much to do with the Bad Batch. It's it's specifically a connection to Star Wars Rebels. And we get the appearance of, as you see in the picture, Cham Syndulla. And what's Hera's mom's name? I, I, I don't think they... Did they mention her name? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. Mrs. Sindula, uh, she's in it as well. And so is Hera. And so we get the three Sindulas and we get to see what Ryloth is like immediately post-Revenge of the Sith and, and how the politics of the free Ryloth movement and their relationship with the Empire begin and, and the way Orn Frita is a slimy senator... Mm still works with the yeah the um the rest of the the ryloth people who don't really get along with him and he's kind of as visually as george wanted to show him a, a fat cat kind of sitting above everybody else and his uh, happy to do whatever the empire wants as long as he can live his lavish lifestyle but we get Hera, and that's like the main thing and this episode really has basically no bad batch in it the bad batch are in it for like a total of five minutes and it's, they're not even the main characters of this episode, which we kind of talked about last week as as a way of, like, when I, w I brought up the possibility of this show getting into the political beginnings of the rebellion. And we kind of concluded that it doesn't really make that much sense in a show called The Bad Batch to get into politics. But yet again, we're seeing on another planet them getting more into the political side of, of different small groups of people starting to rebel against the idea of an empire and starting to see what the initial onset of the empire looks like for the Bad Batch or, or for the world in the Bad Batch show. And so 
what were your thoughts on seeing Hera? I, I really did not expect Hera at this stage of the show, and especially in this type of episode where it just basically is no Bad Batch at all. Yeah. Um, obviously a big surprise. I don't think anyone coming into this episode was like, oh, yeah, we're obviously going to see Hera and Ryloth and Chopper. I mean, I could see us going back to Ryloth, but like not in such a direct way immediately after, you know, last episode where it was just a little bit of a, like a scamper, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I really liked it. I mean, Ryloth has always been one of those places where, you know, the real struggles of Clone Wars of like, you know, people who really just want their own freedom um, have come into the fold. Um, and the, their willingness to fight for it is a really big part of like their people's culture. Um, and we, I mean, we've seen Cham since what, 2009, right? Like he's been around since forever. We've seen that Mace Window being on the planet. We've seen Boiler and Waxer with uh, Nima, I think. Um, like we, we've seen so much. We've seen that obviously in that very opening shot of the episode where you see I didn't even realize it was Ryloth until I saw that little tiny bridge, which is like the electric bridge of sorts, right? And I was like, oh, wow, like, this is Ryloth. This is happening, right? And it, it starts off the same way as Raxus does, right? We're here with the Empire. They're trying to establish this. But it really shows a difference. I mean, Raxus, I feel like they could have gone more in depth there. Um, both them and the citizens of Ryloth are very against what the empire is demanding of them, but the empire is also demanding very different things of them. The empire is saying like, okay, on Ryloth, lay down your weapons. We've gotten you the freedom that you need. And on Raxus, they're like, the CIS and its allied worlds are more than welcome in our uh, empire. Um, I would have liked to see a bit more of like what that really means individually. And I guess it's a little harder without having any context about what Raxus was like before really um other than maybe some political stuff with the Bonteris, but i mean it was it was really nice to see hera um i just looked it up cham's wife's name's elini so i i really enjoyed first of all seeing hera back but also that they really emphasize like yeah she still has her accent she's still growing up on this planet she's a dreamer who in her dream is to become a pilot like that is everything she's obsessed with in this whole episode literally you can hear her old rebels themes just flying through the sky just wistfully out there um and that was that was really sweet i think my favorite part though of all these appearances was seeing chopper chopper looks exactly like he does in rebels like everyone else you can say like the art style is a little different here and there chopper just has like a little bit more grain on him and that's it like it is they probably just reuse that whole asset um Man, he's he's a lot more docile. He he's like notoriously known in Rebels for just committing like war crime after war crime and killing countless people and droids and everything. And then here he's just like you know a babysitter, like a friend to Hera, which I guess it makes sense. But like, man, this man changes a lot in like fifteen years and goes crazy because you know for the most part he was pretty chill. He didn't you know balance on one wheel and scoot through hallways and stuff right he was just more like i am a droid I'm here i'm having fun you know it was, it was nice to see that um so yeah it was great just seeing a back um obviously as you can see on the screen right now 
we have a new clone captain and originally when we discussed him his name was captain ballast at least on the marketing material for it now his name is officially captain hauser so it's probably been changed um definitely think he adds an interesting layer to this episode because obviously this episode doesn't just end with this one-off like how the raxus one did this one really sets up a lot of things and um we well i mean we get crosshair back uh so i mean what do you think about crosshair's whole like you know situation because honestly when i saw the beginning of this episode i couldn't tell if this was like a flashback to right after revenge of the sith or con- continuation because they it seemed like the clones were nicer you know they, they seem like the clones we used to know in the clone wars you know they just didn't right. seem so antagonistic yeah hauser was the first clone besides the bad batch that i think we've seen with their helmet off in the show like and have an actual personality <laughs> like yeah. he's he's still and and that that's open to i guess speculation on what what his role is in the show and and what the effects of his inhibitor chip are but he's you know hesitant to be aggressive against the people of ryloth which seems very opposite from what we've seen with the inhibitor chips where they don't just make you turn against the jedi it's basically a form of complete like identity wipe like nobody has any individualism anymore they're just a collective group and they just do exactly what they're told to do now but with crosshair uh i thought it was interesting we speculated back in episode eight when we had the mid-season episode when he got all burned what that could mean it, it means basically nothing other than the fact that his face has changed nothing really happened to him and we i kind of figured once we didn't touch on it at all in the following episode that it was gonna mean nothing so that's kind of yeah. off the table but i mean I thought, he, he yeah. had the butt he had the hair is basically almost yeah, gone no like hair. on a care and you can see like a chunk is just missing like yeah that is yeah it, it and it looks awfully close to where his inhibitor chip is so mm, that's true yeah but he is still um I liked how they kind of used this was definitely a political thriller episode yeah it was interesting seeing the, the all the different factions at, at work between cham who just wants peace so badly as well as the imperials who i want to talk about this a little later too is what their overall scheme is with cham because they don't really want cham around but yet they kind of need him to control the people so there's that aspect but then crosshair is basically just like the He's like the CIA agent who's causing the chaos. He's just he keeps he keeps perpetuating things into motion, getting people to do the political things that they need them to do, and then ultimately, you know, is the is the catalyst for changing the course of the events and and changing the peace and making it into destruction. And yeah, there's crosshair there with his scar on the side of his head. He, yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised that they didn't do like. I was thinking they'd do like a more of a mask look like on his face, like a breather mask or something interesting like that. But they kind of just went straight back to it. Now he's bald and it has scarring. But I, I enjoyed his involvement with the show. It's finally, it's good to finally get Amp- Admiral Rampart back as well. Who's pretty much been MIA for a long time. And, and yeah. um, it's nice to get back to this storyline of, of Crosshair because that is one of the more interesting aspects of the show. And I think that that brings me to another topic I kind of want to touch on. And it's mainly just like 
with all these different things going on, how are we going to get to the beginning of the, like, why are we trying to get to the beginning of the rebellion right now? We have all these crosshair things. We have crosshair versus the bad batch. We've got the inhibitor chip plot line. We've got um, the Omega plot line, the bounty hunters coming after her, the Boba Fett stuff that they've been teasing. You got like, we've got so many things. I'm, I'm just so surprised that they went for the Syndulas right now. And also, Ryloth, like Ryloth, and Ryloth isn't just big in Rebels and in Clone Wars, and there's the Lords of the Sith book that also is really big, and that takes place pretty close to Revenge of the Sith when when a lot of these same characters try to kill Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine when they come to Ryloth. So I know the rebellion there is, has begun very early, but it, it just seems like, as much as I, I really did love this episode, it was great, and it was a great surprise, but it seems surprising that they're going into like the full rebellion route in these last two episodes versus the, which they hadn't really touched on since that very first episode or i guess the third the sec third episode as well with with um uh what's this Sagarera. so yeah this has been uh it's an interesting direction they're taking this in and and they very well i, I mean i think next week like you said i think next week is going to be the second part of this show and that will probably bring the bad batch in i think um goby Klee will probably call the bad batch for help but yeah. or i guess maybe not him but another ally who is helping with him and, and knows sid and obviously they have a connection to sid and they can send the bad batch to retrieve them kind of like they did with senator singh but i i think uh it's going to be really fascinating to see how the seeds of this this whole rebellion thing is is laid in these next couple episodes and what that has to really do with Camino and with Omega. Because you would I would assume it all starts to tie together at some point. Like these these are feeling less and less random now. Right. I mean Yeah, they're not as random as they were earlier in the season, but I think they're they're I mean Look, I think this is going to be a huge episode in the context of what Bad Batch will eventually be and become by the time it's finished. Um, I think it's pretty fair to say that when you look at Rebels, it's a very serialized show. There's not really episodes outside of the crew, right? Um, maybe one or two here, like some droid episodes and stuff. But it really is like, okay, there's at least one or two members of the Ghost crew that are doing something. So it's, it's a much more serialized show. You look at the Clone Wars and it's all arcs and just anybody. It could be, it doesn't have to be Anakin, doesn't have to be Obi-Wan, doesn't have to be Ahsoka. They're complete arcs with totally different characters. They were very solid, very good. Some of them had like, you know, Padme and uh, uh, Jar Jar at the very beginning of the seasons, right? Like there are things that just happen that kind of fit in the story, add a little more context with the universe the politics, the intrigue, things like that. So I think from what I'm seeing more and more, the Bad Batch seems like it's trying to do its own thing where when it's with the crew, it's serialized. When it's not with the crew, it's more of these Clone Wars arcs. And I think they're trying to balance the back and forth that like these guys, in truth, as much as they try to avoid, you know, being involved in another battle or war or, you know, helping start rebellions, like Hunter straight up says like, you know, these are, these are, these are a lot of weapons. Like it's not enough for what you're trying to do. He's like, well, Goopy's like, well, it's a start. 
I mean, these guys are middlemen. They're they're not really committed to any side right now. They're kind of only committed to just making sure Omega is safe and she gets to live freely. Um, and now that they have no debts, now it's kind of more like a pick and choose sort of thing. So I think we're going to see a mix of the serialized uh, storytelling mixed in with arcs like this here and there. And we'll always see, you know, the bad witch kind of pop in there. Sometimes for a mission, sometimes for what they have to do. Um, I think, especially with Ryloth and seeing how the clones have been acting on Ryloth. I mean, like when you look at Captain Hauser, he catches, well, not him, but two other clones find Hera in the restricted zone when she's kind of spying for her mother and Gobi. And he tells Chim, he's like, look, I don't want to make this into an issue. I'll give her a warning this time, but next time I will have to report her, right? Like, I think in a way, it seems like they're also setting up Hauser to be one of those clones that goes rogue. I don't think he's going to be, you know, subservient in the next episode. I think, yeah. I, I think for the most part, it's fair to say that knowing where Lords of the Sith is as a book and, uh, you know, just the way Hera interacts with her father, the fact that she even changes her whole accent and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this episode will have her like kind of shipped off the next one at least. I think this is the end of her time on Ryloth for at least extended periods of times. I don't recall in and a new in a new dog she is working for her father, right? Or the rebellion. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember either. I think well she I know she's she works yeah, she's working with a bunch of other people. Yeah, I can't remember who she's working with. But there, right. there are there are a lot more other rebels connections as well in this episode with uh, the mine that the Imperials are trying to set up is a Dunium mine, which is big on both the fall and in um, for the uh, Governor Price, which in the Thrawn yeah. book she is in charge of. Uh, well, she's trying to become Governor of Lethal. But her family worked at a Dunium mine, which they were in charge of. And then Dunium's a huge part of the Thrawn, first Thrawn book. So there's more connections both with Thrawn and with Price and with all the stuff in Rebels. Now adding more stuff with Hera. They really are trying to like truly make this the bridge. And I'm kind of surprised. That, and I'm, I'm still not... Uh, I'm still not ruling out the idea that they are doing a lot of this stuff to set up more shows that are coming in, yeah. more animated shows. Yeah. I, I think that should probably be the route they go. But this, yeah, this this episode felt like wholly unique to me. And as you were saying, Rebels is serialized, but Clone Wars is ar- built in arcs. Bad Batch has been far more serialized than anything. And then, like, they, it's basically had no arcs. There have been, every episode has right. been self-contained, even with, with, um, some of the the bigger events like the Rex episode, some play some have taken place on similar planets, but most of them have not left a cliffhanger like this episode does. So, I'm surprised that they've decided to do that, not just in the show, but also episode eleven and possibly twelve. Like it's it's a random. It seems like a really random point to do it, but I'm not I'm not really complaining. I'm just like trying to figure out why, because the. Uh, maybe uh, Hera, you know, is helps them with the with clone stuff and the and ultimately the, some of the rebellion resources that she might a- a- 
a, a crew over the years could help them hide and help the clones be more a part of the formation of the rebellion. But yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff here with the rebellion, and it's and it's also fascinating to see how quickly some of these things happen in this universe because there's i mean yeah, obviously yeah. characters like saw always had an aversion to authority and really didn't want to work with the republic but didn't like the separatists either so that makes sense and sham's always been that same way so we're going back to these characters that mm -hmm. have an affinity to rebel against dominant governments and so even though he hasn't really truly seen what the empire is capable of while he's seen what the separatists were capable of it's makes sense that he'd be very active against the empire early on at least in a political way but i also found it kind of uh, tragic for his character to be so wanting this to work out like he everything he's fought for the last three or four years yeah. was for this and then now it's not working out either but uh let's let's talk about that ending too with uh, with Orn Frita getting assassinated by Crosshair. Well, no, that's not true because it's an assassination attempt and he's still alive in Lords of the Sith. So I think Ooh, he's mo he's moving on the stretcher. So he is alive. I found that very funny that they had a stretcher ready for him. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> immediately. Just... I was like, man. They're, this... they're like, this man is a walking fat slob. Like, <laughs> it makes sense that he's not going to move, move at all the moment he gets like one little twin shot it just he's look at him like right, it hits him like right here but doesn't go through so, so yeah it hits him in like yeah. the top of the leku yeah the head. yeah that's that is right i forgot he was in lords of the sith but yeah. anyway yeah, yeah so cham's arrested and Hera's on the run and that presumably like i said brings the bad batch in for next episode um let's let's talk about should we speculate right now, or there? I want to. I also want to talk about uh, Hera with that was Vanessa Marshall, which she did a great job, a genuinely great job. Was it actually Hera. her? Yeah, I saw her name in the credits. <laughs> That's like leagues, showed... <laughs> leagues ahead of what <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie... Oh, God. oh my gosh! Yeah, I I was like the whole episode. <laughs> I, I was thinking, well, at least they got somebody to voice young Hera, and that doesn't sound like they're forty five years old, and, <laughs> and then. Yeah, it was actually Vanessa Marshall, and she did a great job. Uh, God, so I want to throw that out there because yeah, that was really, that was really great. Like she, she nailed it. She nailed Young Hera. Yeah, and Freddie Prince just was like, "I'm 25. Uh, I mean, 15." <laughs> yeah. It's like okay, I guess. No, I'm like, dude, you're you're past it. Puberty's yeah, <laughs> come and gone for you. <laughs> Yeah, they, they could have, uh, you know, if they're going to mess with the canon already, might as well age up Kanan and make him a little older so a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's uh, actually, let's switch. I want to switch and talk about Captain Hauser a little bit and like what, how that's going to connect with the Bad Batch for next episode. Because there's, it, I mean, obviously, he's the only clone that we've seen without his helmet since the first episode that's had any type of personality at all. And so Hauser, I, I think the way they're kind of teasing it with his like lingering shot of him being the last person to, to walk away from the scene and having second thoughts about what they're doing, 
they're teasing it as if he's kind of been going to be the one that breaks the bad bat, or I mean, not the bad batch, uh, Cham out or tries to free Cham and, and has to really question who he is in the next episode. And, and I think that's going to be an interesting angle to see what they do with that and the inhibitor chips, as well as how the bad batch are going to react when they find another clone who kind of is able to a little think a little bit more for themselves because they've, they have, and we have over the last 10 weeks have been really conditioned to think of the clones as these kind of mindless drones now. And we're finally getting to see somebody with a little bit of a personality again. And, uh, I'm really excited to see how the Bad Batch interact with him specifically and when they're... Because I, I, I think it's pretty safe guess to say that they're going to be called to save them by through a connection with Sid and then um, they're going to have to go to Ryloth to basically extract him just like they extracted uh, Senator Singh. And maybe they don't save him and they just save Hera, but they're going to go on some type of mission to extract somebody from the Sindula family. So what are your thoughts on uh, Captain Hauser and how he might play out for next episode? Um, I, I mean, I really like his design. I just like, it's like, it's a very simple color scheme, but it's not one we've seen before. Um, I like how he's got the, like the stripe in the middle, but then his helmet is like, the stripe doesn't continue. It's like the opposites where the sides are colored. Um, I really like his hairstyle and he's got this like weird kind of scar on his left side. So that, that kind of gives us like, impression like this guy's been around um i mean cham is his general i think he if i'm reading it right he doesn't have like a jedi that he's been assigned to he's been assigned to cham like cham is like the one who's here to continue the fight for ryloth he's the deterrent he's the hammer of ryloth he's gonna be the one to help you know um and the republic support is you know represented through um Hauser. So Hauser's kind of like this seems like this guy who's a little bit more in tune with the Ryloth people than he is with Twi'leks and everyone than, you know, an average clone would be. Like, I don't think anyone from Kenobi's forces or uh, Anakin's forces would have necessarily had such strong relationships. I mean, when we, even when Mason Window was on Ryloth, it was more like, Hey, Jim, I'm going to help you out. Okay, great. That's that's really, like, there's always a distance um, between the Jedi and the clones. But this is a guy who seems like he's pretty in tune with Jim. And he's very helpful with, like, okay, look, I'm not going to rat out here right now. But, you know, I got to do it again. I'm going to have to do it again. Like, he, he's very clear about, like, his priorities and how he wants to just handle this delicate situation. And he calls it delicate because he, he's he doesn't really want to make it seem like, okay, I enjoy what's happening, but I also am ordered to do this stuff. Um, he looks a bit older, honestly. He's kind of got more of the Rex, you know, a line one, I guess, or a series one clone look to him. He seems a little bit more aged in with the wrinkles. So maybe this is something where it hints that, you know, more of these older clones are the ones who have kind of like the inhibitor stuff kind of wears off earlier. If he doesn't, you know, I mean, we'll see. Um, I, I really would like for him to join up as a rogue clone. I don't want it just to be like, okay, it's only Gregor and Wolf and uh, Rex in the end. I'd like to see them being the ones who are left behind from whatever thing that they're trying to you know, start up, fight for, versus, you know, you know, uh, 
just being those three the whole time and alone. Um, but I can I can also very much see Hauser die, helping Cham, you know, escape off planet, um, get Hera to, you know, to join some other group or be in someone else's care or safety until Cham is able to, you know, start up the resistance again for the Ryloth freedom. Um, I, I, I think it's realistic to think that Hauser will die, but I, I would really, really hope that he joins Rex and his crew. Cause I, I really wanted to see what rogue clones are capable of. And I'd like to have the Bad Batch interact with clones with different missions than just clones as mindless enemies. And I like the clones that we're seeing right now, you know, start to all loosen up a bit, realize, okay, like, you know, our whole minds are controlled, our ideas, our memories, our freedoms, our personalities are restricted. And now they're kind of bubbling back up to the surface. So I, I'd like to see that perspective happen. I'd like to have the Bad Batch interact with that, but I'd also like the Bad Batch to interact with rogue clones. And if Hauser can join them, even if it does push things in a way that seems a little too unrealistic, this is Star Wars. I wouldn't mind it. Um, as far as what else could happen with him besides either death or rogue clones, I mean, not much else. I, I don't think he's, you know, valuable enough for Kaminoans or Crosshair. I mean, I could I could totally see Crosshair execute him, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see because he's, he's the most interesting clone we've had honestly, in a while, even in the Clone Wars, right? Like the Bad Batch, you know, they're, as a group, were interesting when it happened in the Clone Wars. Now, you know, they've got a little bit more richness to them, but they're their own thing. Last really interesting clone thing that really happened, um, and with a character, was probably Tup and Fives, and that's that's really it for, this is the first time we've seen a new clone who's actually got personality and something that makes you go like, hey, I really want to see him live on, but I could also see them make a real emphasis of saying like the clone wars is over the clones themselves. They'll put put down if they try to be like they were in the past. Yeah. And he still has his armor painted and, and he's got the, his own haircut and it's just, yeah, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see what his deal is because everybody else is different. So maybe it is just the fact that maybe he belongs to Cham a little bit. Like they basically loaned him to Cham, but it doesn't seem like that's fully the case because he seems to be involved with the complete governance of, of Ryloth and, and basically the, the clone in charge, even if Rampart and Crosshair have kind of gone over his head a little bit. But I would, I too would love to see, like, can you imagine just Rex amassing a bunch of clone captains and commanders to like team up and and be like this elite strike force that just does rebel stuff that would be really cool and eventually leads to them attacking Camino and trying to free the rest of the clones. I would love to see that and I'd I'd love to see more and more yeah. clones start to gain individualism a bit again and and because because also the bad batch even though they're made up of people with distinct personalities we kind of think of them as a group. They kind of it's hard to hard to pick a favorite one. It's kind of they all play a different role in giving a personality to a genuine whole, and and so right, we haven't, right. like you said, seen a true individual clone start to have his own thoughts and have his own way of looking at the, the world since the Clone Wars, and and besides besides Rex, but I kind of 
Rex kind of transcends being a clone at this point. Yeah, he Rex has been around forever, so we've got so much depth with him. And he was under Anakin. Like, if you, if you're under Anakin, you have to be rowdy and wild and just be different. You're not going to be a clone. You are a clone's clone. Exactly. So they, I I I have to think there's something wrong with this chip because they're everyone else, like even you know Cody or or Jesse or whoever we want to talk about who we got to see become a little bit more of a character in Clone Wars ends up completely becoming a mindless drone when it turns to order 66. So mm. I would have to think that something's wrong with, with the chip on Hauser. And I would be, I'm really interested to see, I think he's probably the mo- thing I'm most interested for next week with, uh, seeing what happens to him ultimately. And yeah, he, I guess he could just be a sacrificial lamb, but it would be nice to see more and more clones find their way into the bat- batches like world and, and they start to figure out, oh, okay, well, we've saved Hauser. We've, we know Rex is out there. There's Cut out there. There's there's all of these clones that we maybe we could start saving clones a little bit more. And it works its way into that show that I kind of want it to become, which is the true like clone liberation show where we get to see the final stand of the clones against the Empire. Because I really, really, I really want that to be the series finale at some point, when it, whenever, whichever season it is, two, three, four, five, whatever season they decide to end this on. And I think, I think once again... This just reaffirms that this show is not one season. It'll never be one season. No, it's no. another plot point to the show. Uh, last, like, random thing I want to say is it, I'm still bothering me that nobody recognizes the Bad Batch as clones, or they just don't care. Like, like Gobi comes from Ryloth. He's surrounded by clones. He comes to this moon, which they can breathe on, apparently, and. Uh, the bad batch walks out and i thought the first thing he was going to say was your clones because they're they're trying to escape yeah. the clones because hunter's the one that's talking who sounds like a clone they're all wearing clone armor nobody else wears armor like that i i, I don't know i'm i just find it surprising that no one cares they're like oh these bunch of clones that are selling us weapons all right like yeah yeah i mean when you're playing such a political game at this point, right? Like, you know, they got factions within factions. As long as you, you, you paid for the job and you got the equipment, right? If, if I don't think, yeah, it, it's weird. It, it, I agree. It is weird that it's like, weird. there's no reaction, but and it's not just him. It's, it's like, Sid seems to be the only one that actually like recognized their clones immediately. But even even she doesn't really care that they're clones. She just right, right, clone. yeah. And I, I think maybe that's the same angle that Gobi's coming from, right? Like even like Hunter's like this is you know it's not going to be enough for what you want. And Gobi's like it's a start. So he's like I'll I think it's more like you know it's they'll take it as it comes, right? It's like okay clones, but you know these don't seem like clones that we deal with, right? Um. I'd, I'd say at this point, the Bad Batch is kind of vetted as like, uh, you know, like, okay, as this is this is Sid's crew, you know, they get the job done, a high success rate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are clones, but they're clone commandos. And, you know, uh, they probably keep the idea of, you know, Omega off of the information uh, that's given to clients. But 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's one of those things that I don't really want to go too deeply into because it seems like once you really try to break it down, then you're like, show, yeah. you're like, well, uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, is it too hard to think that like people have their own militias on different planets with armors and stuff? I know they armor looks very clone like, but like, no clones big and tanky, right? No clone is yeah, super skinny. Or missing the, an arm, yeah. With with the cut episode when they're not wearing their armor, I was that one didn't bother me as much because yeah, you know, Wrecker doesn't look like a clone without his helmet, or yeah, or tech, tech doesn't look like a clone without his helmet. Hunter still like he looks like a clone, but he's got like face paint or whatever yeah. or tattoo permanent, but, yeah. But I yeah, I found it strange that that like characters who are trying to escape clones don't firstly like your clones. Is this a setup? Or something like that, uh, but but also yeah, it, it was kind yeah. of one of the reasons I mainly bring it up is because as we're talking about rogue clones and stuff like that, is the galaxy now used to rogue clones? Are there other rogue clones out there? I mean, I would assume no, but we've got Rex, we've got the Bad Batch, we've got Cut. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there who look the exact same way. And wear the armor, and yeah, and it it seems, it seems to me that that could be a logical explanation for why people don't react. But also, yeah, it could just be a plot convenience. I think, I think it's is a plot convenience, but uh, I just find it funny that like no yeah, one, no no one, no one really cares. <laughs> They're just like, all right. I mean, it, I I mean, it, I guess it also just helped that. You know, when you look at the Bad Batch, you know, for who they are, it they're coming, I mean, they're coming as, like, a unit that looks very different than clones that, you know, Cham and Gobi and everyone's been around. But, you know, at this point, I don't think Cham and Gobi or anyone really expects, you know, being set up into a trap, right? Like, they don't expect Crosshair to, you know, shoot a tracker onto them. But, you know, I, I can see and within a year of this, you know, that's probably one of the first things they do. Check for, you know, sabotage vehicles and stuff like that. Right now, I don't think Gobi's like, you know, even trying to start a fight. Gobi's more like, I just want to be armed because, you know, I don't really trust the Empire. They said they'd leave, right? They're doing things. It seems only Cham is the one who's really, because as being the symbol of this freedom fight, he's been so in his mind he's like i have to just stop it at this point we've gotten what we wanted all right and he's willing to let things slide to a degree until obviously until the end of the episode whereas more people with his crew including his wife are like well we're not expecting anything to go bad but there's enough signs that things can go bad so why not be prepared right but they're not at that point where they're like you know they're not sagarera like where they're like i'm crazy i have to like paranoid i have to check every single detail uh they're more just like eh, i'll give you a little money you help me out we'll keep it on the table yeah you're a clone i don't care i'm not supposed to have weapons i don't care it's it's we're, if we rat, rat each other out it's more hassle i i think it's all those elements combined with the fact that nothing's really exploded till the end until they realize that they've been tracked by crosshair that this whole thing I'm not only drawing out Cham and everyone, but also assassinating, uh, you know, the senator. Like, anything. This was a setup they felt like was coming, but 
you know, they were waiting for the Ryloth people to make that first move. And even if their intentions were simply for self-defense. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's just kind of like a random thing that keeps sticking out to me, but it, uh, I don't think it really means anything. It's just kind of there, but let's, let's finish off our bad batch episode 11 discussion with, as we have the last four or five weeks speculation towards next week. And, uh, as as we kind of last week were really spitballing, so last week it seemed like a one-off thing that had nothing really to do with the rest of the show, just kind of another interesting mission, another look at Separatist worlds, and a, and a little look at maybe possibly some future Rebellion leaders. But this, this episode not only gives us a glance, glimpse of main characters that we know are heavily involved with the Rebellion, but also gives us a, a genuine cliffhanger where Hera has to escape a big a big uh, firefight and and the rest of her parents and now she's on the run with Chopper and we don't know what's going to happen next. The episode just ends and it, it's probably the biggest cliffhanger we've gotten in the Bad Batch thus far. And I there's a lot of, a lot of ways we can speculate it. As I said earlier I do think this just leads to the Bad Batch being called to help Hera. I think she's going to be rescued by the Bad Batch and they're going to attempt to rescue her father and mother. That That's probably going to be eventually how her mother dies. I would guess that Chopper and Hera will eventually escape, be taken to somebody. Cham will probably be left on the planet or, or decide to stay on the planet to fight the Imperials and he's going to go back into hiding and doing guerrilla warfare kind of like he did pre uh, pre Empire and during the Clone Wars when the Separatists invaded so I think that'll be an angle I think we'll get more Crosshair versus Bad Batch stuff hopefully a little bit more on the storyline between them or at least it gets Crosshair kind of after them again so we get more and more of him because I'm really interested in seeing him and we're not going to get this next episode but Hopefully with the reintroduction of Admiral Rampart, we get back to the Stormtrooper storyline because we've basically ignored that since the third episode of the show. When that was the first three episodes were very heavy on clones are outdated and we need Stormtroopers. And now we're we're only seeing clones around and we haven't heard anything about Stormtroopers. We've seen those we saw those three Stormtroopers that are still in Crosshair's unit. But we haven't seen any other stormtroopers nor any mentions of stormtroopers since so i would love for this to with hauser and with cham and hera and all these elements of the rebellion and and early clone fugitives and stuff like that being a part of what we'd expect to be i would guess the finale to this arc next week hopefully it starts to build a little bit towards some of that resolution with with crosshair and the inhibitor chips and the future of the stormtroopers and stuff like that as we end this season because i i'm still on the the boat of the end of the season is going to resolve the crosshair stuff and is going to give us a little bit more towards the future of the clones and the stormtroopers and but i don't think we're going to fully resolve most of these plot lines obviously not the rebellion because the rebellion's just beginning but and I don't know if Hera will show up in the rest of this season. I doubt it. But 
what are your thoughts and some of your speculations on what next week might entail as we get to episode 12? Um, obviously, we're going to be back on Ryla. I think we have to see this whole thing carried through. I don't want to just stop in between and that'd be disappointing if that happens. But, um, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Crosshair because it gets me thinking, like, you know, this is the guy who pulled the trigger, right? This is probably his best shooting performance all season. Uh, he's, he's done pretty well for himself. As you can see, he delicately shot the senator and made it seem like, oh, man, like, he got shot at by Cham Sandula in an assassination attempt. Um, but he is the trigger man. He's not the one pulling the strings here. I think Rampart's role in this episode was very much like, okay, no, we, we, they've got his corner. Let's surrender. But, you know, he, he had his cards to play. He had Crosser on the ridge overlooking them. He had a lot of different things, and he captured everyone. He, what they thought was just going to be, you know, freedom uh, of, uh, what is it, Hera and Gobi, um, I mean, it turned out into being like, you know, just a trap to bring even more of the leadership under control, right? We got senators out of commission. We got the people's hero arrested for treason, right? And, and along with his family, I mean, he, he has them exactly where they want. But, you know, I think, I don't think Ryloth obviously is fully under Imperial control. Is it is it in under Imperial control in Lords of the Sith or... It's under Imperial control, but uh, Cham attacks Cham, them a lot. Yeah, Cham attacks them a lot. Right, so Cham is undoubtedly going to be escaping. Maybe without his wife, maybe without his wife. We don't, we don't really know quite yet. Um, I don't know if Hera is going to be back on Ryloth immediately. I feel like It feels like she will stay on Ryloth either for a little bit longer before she joins the larger rebellion or she's going to have to go off-world and meet up with Omega again. But the one thing I think I'm sure of is that, you know, once Cham kind of, like, frees himself, gets out of trouble, um, and, you know, there's more scrutiny placed on Rampart and this failure on Ryloth to, you know, want, taking probably the most free uh, fighting-worthy people off of the galaxy at this moment in time and you know stopping them which was great and then now all of a sudden they're back in the fight against the empire now and fighting even harder than ever before right um and more guerrilla tactics instead of just you know trying to survive and get supplies now they're like no we're gonna fight for the freedom of our people again i i would think that a lot of the blame from the top leadership is going to be directed towards the failures of rampart and rampart will as he's shown already, uh, you know, not take too kindly to that. And he, in my mind, will blame the bit, uh, play, pin the blame on a lot of the clones, the failures of the clones to, you know, keep Cinderella. He's going to probably blame Hauser if Hauser comes to Sacrificial Lamb. If he escapes, even more so on Hauser and saying, look, yet another rogue clone. And then he'll look at, you know, the and when leadership is trying to, you know, manage how the story comes out, that not Cham and the free route movement is back stronger than ever, right? Even though this is an imperial world now, I think we're going to see him also push Crosshair into a moral position. Like, whoa, this was an actions of a rogue clone. I had nothing to do with this. He he almost tried to, in truth, it was actually Crosshair who actually tried to kill him. I, I, I could see Crosshair... And his story ending because 
so far, you know, he's been like that vicious clone leading the elite stormtroopers. You know, he's done what the Kaminoans wanted. He got messed up, right? But he's still he's still in this fight. He's still doing he's extremely loyal to the Empire. He is the best of what a clone trooper with max stat inhibitor chip looks like and is working to the Kaminoans' favor of at least keeping this majority of the troops still be clone troopers. But, you know, if a rogue clone dies or escapes and joins Rex and you see the Bad Batch appear once more and then you see the fallout of this Ryloth, you know, kind of being not 100% controlled by the Empire. Um, and I, I can only see the one Lucid and the one clone that they have full control over being Crosshair and I can see Rampart just making him a scapegoat. And I can see that really push... I can see that really push Crosshair because he's got full control, program loyalty. But, you know, maybe seeing him drop down from being a leadership position to a lower under one of his own elite troops or maybe going on trial. These different things, I think, will really kind of make him snap. I, I think the inhibitor chip can only hold a man down so long and... It only works when things go the way that they're meant to, not when further complication is added onto whatever Crosser's feeling. I don't think in any way manipulating his inhibitor chip to whatever full potential it has is going to be good for his brain chemistry in any way, especially after being implanted at birth and then being adjusted when he's 20-something. So I think I think a lot of these later episodes are going to deal with the fallout of Ryloth and then the fallout that blamed on the clones and eventually on uh most especially on crosshair outside of that i don't know i that's that's an interesting angle i didn't think about with with crosshair becoming a a scapegoat for rampart's failures i think that would be really interesting and i hope i hope we continue to see rampart throughout the rest of the season because he has been one of the more intriguing new characters that we've seen i think the other thing I was thinking about uh, was that I completely forgot what I was just going to say, but but uh, crosshair <laughs> crosshair is going to be interesting to see how they play out next episode because we can I feel like you can only fail capturing the bad batch so many times and if the bad batch are there and everyone realizes they're there and they're chasing after them and he doesn't get them then i could see that being kind of the way that the crosshairs the rest of crosshair season goes is is like he's hell-bent on getting the bad batch to prove he's still top dog as we get closer to stormtroopers i think that's something you know i would i would really like to see as well as just hopefully we continue to push this story closer and closer to Camino and and what the finale is going to be because I and I'm I'm tr- very intrigued to see what Hera has to do with a lot of this I I don't think she'll be in the rest of the season obviously there is that connection with Omega and Hera and Hera's kind of been one of those characters that they've put in a ton of uh, different media to just kind of be the connection between Rebels and all these other things because she's in she meets Afra in the comics she's in the Squadrons game she's like she's in the Kieran Gillen run of of Star Wars comics. She's like 
she shows up in all these random things as just kind of the bridge to the rebel show. And so I'm wondering if they're just going to use her like that, or if she continues to come back and constantly be a part of this and, and be a representation of the show in basically what is a clone Wars show but she is the uh, representation of rebels in the Clone Wars show as we get closer and closer to the rebels side. I, I would love a, you know, a rebels anime style animation that takes place maybe five years after bad batch, once the bad batch is over. And then we get that true, like a, a prologue to rebels and an epilogue to bad batch. That would be really cool if they kind of merged, but I think uh, that should probably do it for our conversation of the Bad Batch this week. Yeah, what a great episode. Very not not very expected at all, to be honest, because I know I was pretty disappointed with the way last week kind of just went off on its own thing. And now that we're getting legitimate chunks of information for the Star Wars universe, I guess it's pretty unexpected in my opinion. But our other main topic, we've got to leave room to talk about that, and that is... The new junior novel, Race to Crash Point Tower by Daniel Jose Older. This is the, it came out the exact same day as The Rising Storm, which was about a week and a half ago on Tuesday, June 29th. So if you haven't read this or didn't know it exists, it came out two weeks ago. You can go pick it up pretty much at any bookstore or on Amazon or read it online, however you'd like to read it. It is the second junior novel in the High Republic series after A Test of Courage. It really doesn't have much to do with A Test of Courage, so you, there's no need to read that prior. They do reference some of the events a little bit, and one of the characters shows up in this book, or two of the characters, I guess, but Vernestra, who's the main character of A Test of Courage, is in a couple chapters of this, but not. you don't really need to have read A Test of Courage to know who she is. You just kind of enhances your reading and i think that's one of the coolest things about race to crash point tower for me is this one almost more so than any of the books that have come out so far is really enhanced by your reading of everything else whether that is rising storm which this takes place right in the middle of the climax of the rising storm i guess not the full climax but like the major second act plot point of the rising storm the republic fair this takes place during that it's also full of characters from Daniel Jose Older's comic series for IDW Star Wars, The High Republic Adventures. So it's basically its co-star is Lula Telesolo, who's the main character of the first five issues of The High Republic Adventures, as well as Zine from that series as well. There are two major characters in this, and they constantly reference other characters who are in that, that comic. So if you especially read the Adventures line, this is really rewarding for having read that that you're now seeing these characters start to cross over into bigger events in the galaxy especially because the adventures line felt so isolated it felt really like a really like a story that didn't matter when we were reading it and kind of and i think when we were reviewing that last issue of of that run i even said i think you can definitely wait for the trade paperback and i i guess at this point i still would because there's going to be hard to find all those issues but but that is really fun to have read those five issues and then re read this because they're very tied together, especially you get to almost see a lot of payoff for the arcs of Zine and Lula in this book. So it, it really is an, an epilogue to that series. And I, I'm not surprised that that's the next issue in that comic has kind of been 
postponed a little bit to later in July so that we can have this and people can read this before we get back into that. But what were your thoughts on Race to Crash Point Tower? I thought it was really fun. Yeah, it's a really fun read. It's it's a, like Rising Storm. It's got a very fast pace to it. I'm almost This one's almost breakneck, being only like 120 pages. Obviously, it doesn't take place with all the, you know, setup towards the fair and then the fair is beginnings and then Niall rushing in. And, you know, it, it's obviously more contained of a story, but there are some interesting elements before. Like you mentioned, a lot of payoff for the High Republic Adventures. I'm very glad that I have yet more reasons to read them because they've been very solid, but, you know, they do feel more childish um, for comics compared to the Marvel ones. But seeing how we get like TriMant 4 back as a planet and realizing, oh, it's the planet from the devastation caused by the great disaster has shifted closer to the sun and now it's like a red desert, which is like, oh, that's crazy. This used to be like a teeming life. We get to see Zine back as a character. Um, obviously, these books, because they're so interconnected with the comics and everything, they have to like kind of repeat a few things. But the way that they repeat them, uh, these details, they, they do it really well. They really summarize what happens in the books, like what's happened to these characters, who they are. Like Lula, we obviously see through one through five issues of High Republic Adventures. Especially in that first issue, she's nervous. She's like, okay, I've trained for this my whole life, but she's insecure and all that. And they make it a really good point in this book of saying like that insecurity hasn't gone away. She loves Zine and being friends with her. Um, but she's also jealous that like, wow, she can use the force so brilliantly without being a Jedi, like without any training. And then Vernestra, seeing how she's 16 and already a master or a Jedi Knight, and she's like a year younger, so Padawan, she's like, oh my God, I'm letting these emotions get to me. But I, I really like the interactions between both girls. I like how Vernestra is, she doesn't feel as stiff as she felt in Test of Courage. I feel like she's, now that she's had Imri as a Padawan for a bit, now that she's, you know, working through her own place um, in the galaxy, she now feels like, okay, she's a young girl and she's going to embrace that. And she's also going to embrace that she is still an ardent follower of the order. And she's got years still to grow up herself. So, you know, letting Lula take charge in some of their mission planning, being able to give herself into the jokes that they share and the moments they have. Like, it, it was nice seeing Lula's whole arc in the story um and i liked how her interactions with Ernestra directly applied to you know how she conducted herself on uh, uh valen and how she helped fight off self uh teamed up with rom jamorum and um you know obviously fought denial in her own way i thought that was really cool i mean i also like rom as a character he's just a fun mechanical guy V18 is a very fun droid. Yeah, I definitely agree with V18. Uh, he was... I, I like what Daniel Jose Older did with Rom because he is very different from any other Jedi we've really ever seen. He, he's more of a pacifist, but he's also just loves machines and the way he uses the Force is kind of to communicate with machines and he can... he. We really go into detail in the way he's able to see machines through the force and the way he's able to build things and, and build ships and and dis dis uh, disassemble ships as well and, and remove blasters from people's hands and 
there's there's a lot of interesting elements where he's very connected to like a non-living material which is something you don't really see with the force but he he's really fascinated by that stuff and and that's what makes him unique i i did think the first because this book is divided into three parts part one i thought his story was much weaker than than lula's i kept wanting to get back to lula because his was kind of just like oh no they misunderstood that i'm warning the them about the nile coming yeah. and they, now they're arresting me and all this stuff which it just felt like a way to just keep the story going for him it didn't really do anything for the ultimate plot and then she kind of like made it inconvenient for him to have to get all the way back and it was also it was also just a little weird with them supposed to be on such high alert for the nile and it's like this guy's coming who's obviously a jedi like telling you that the nile are coming and you're like no you're lying arrest him it was it was odd but that being said his his side was a little bit more fun uh daniel jose older definitely sticks to more of his goofy humor that he likes to use in the high republic adventures you definitely see a lot of that crossover where where like the rising storm or the light of the jedi or even a test of courage there's really no humor in any of those books and really really any of the high republic books there haven't been any humor at all and and daniel jose older is the only one giving some of the comedic relief with some of these characters and the way they see the world I, and I also appreciate that this was kind of an amalgamation of everything that we've seen so far from the High Republic. Not only do we take place on the Republic Fair, but we have Nile, we have Drengear, we have like everything in this book. And so there's, they have to deal with a lot of different plots. And also seeing the Nile use the Drengear to basically, at for their own whims, it's going to be interesting to see if that happens anymore the rest of this whole high republic narrative i would assume as we kind of said the drengear have kind of been relegated to being the main villains of the comics which has been really good so far and they definitely seem like comic book villains versus the nile which read very well but i thought that was fascinating that we're that he was bringing in all these elements and like you said the pacing is just insane in this book it's so fast uh which is not necessarily a bad thing especially in a book that's this small and more kid-friendly i think the pace has to be higher to keep kids reading and to keep people engaged and uh, this was a book that i finished in a couple hours like it was it yeah. was a really fast read compared to even even though the rising storm had a very fast pace and a breakneck pace it's still being 450 pages ish it was kind of you had to pause sometimes and be like okay i'm gonna take a break from this for a little while because you'd have those chapters where i had a lot of information and even though I praise the the Rising Storm for having chapters with a lot of exposition, but then followed by something really exciting. It was kind of refreshing to have finished a really large book just a couple days ago, and then now jumping into this, it wasn't tedious. It was like very, very quickly. You could get into the plot, you could get into the reading, and having read the Rising Storm, you know what's coming when they're ultimately getting to the Republic Fair, and you're waiting to see, okay, let's see this these characters' point of views, because these uh rom shows up in the rising storm as well for a couple scenes and ty york's also in this even though they spelled her name wrong i guess if you want to compare it to uh the rising storm there her last name was spelled with no c it was just k uh which i thought was a little weird wait but, really I, I yeah I, my copy has it correct for some reason do you have it on paper 
Yeah, I have the. Yeah, the, I have a digital. That that could be why. So this yeah. one had her name spelled wrong. It uh, it was Y O R R I I K in this book, and it was C K in the other book. See, so. this is why Disney is ruining Star Wars. <laughs> Slash us like sarcasm, guys. Like, come on, it's just a printing error. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, that was a uh, that was something random I noticed. Like I, I don't really pay, usually I read through these things like half looking at the words and more just hearing the story in my head and 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 this was uh I just noticed that immediately. I was like, wait, wasn't her name spelled differently in the other book? But anyway, that doesn't really affect the plot at all. This it was still cool to also see her interact with the story because as we said in our Rising Storm review yesterday, she is kind of one of the more interesting characters that doesn't fully get an explanation in this book or in the rising storm, she kind of is there and she gets some backstory and some, she gets a lot of, of personality, but she doesn't necessarily, we don't get to see how she fall or stops being a Jedi. We don't get to see a lot of the bigger plot points in her past and, and ultimately how she's going to work with the Jedi in the future. She's much more of a side character in that. So it's also cool kind of seeing her be a side character that pops up in this one. So we, get to continue to push the, yeah, she's going to be a, a major character moving forward. And when you get to read more about her and later things that are coming out this year, she's definitely somebody to look out for. But I, yeah. So I enjoyed all the rising storm connections as well. I just thought it was a really fun book, obviously. Yeah. Not, not sure. rising storm level, not light of the Jedi level, not into the dark level, but, <laughs> but these high Republic junior novels have been really, really solid, like better, better than the other ones. And I think mainly, for me, that's because they feel like they're relevant to this the story, where a lot mm -hmm. of times when you read some of these like random Han Solo adventures or these Luke adventures, they don't really feel relevant. They don't have anything that's that big for the overall universe. They're kind of just like a fun little story that kids can read about Han or Luke. But this feels relevant because you're seeing characters that aren't in other you know forms, not or not in the main novel at least. And you're getting to see what they're doing during this plot, this gigantic moment, really, in, in the galaxy. And so hopefully moving forward. And, and it ends with, I, I want to bring that up too, it ends with uh, Rom joining Zine and uh, Lula. So most likely he'll be in the comic as well when we get back to having those characters in the comic and future issues. And makes sense since these are all Daniel, Daniel Jose older creations. Right. Right. And I mean, it makes sense to like, we're, we're falling in the books really, you know, Jedi's and Knights, especially in masters and yes, some Padawans, but you know, mostly in the books, they're like, let's be honest, the best of the best. Right. I know Reed is like a bookie sort of Jedi. He wants to be a historian, but Man is skilled. Man is a quick thinker. He's still very good with the lightsaber. He's got a lot of emotional depth to him that makes him a fascinating character. Um, Vernestra, you know, she's been kind of with these junior books so far, but she's going to be in Out of the Shadows. So that's a young adult, and she'll be able to flesh that even more. And she's already very intriguing with her, you know, force vision to help bring her get that, you know, lightsaber whip. Um, you know, uh, just the way that now she's paired with another well she's gonna have emory with her but she's gonna i guess balance off and read i guess um age wise a bit more um and out of the shadows so i'm really looking forward to that obviously i want to see rom in comic book form i think v18 will be really fun to see in comics too he's he's just like a he's very quirky 
he's like he, he says things like c3po and unlike c3po he actually understands like oh if i'm being standoffish or I said something stupid and he also realizes far quickly without much fear that like oh you people will use me and i like those little muskrat little creatures that are always yeah. like adding things on they got like such a good banter he's like i don't like this i don't like this and then like by the end of the book he's like I have a weapon system. I have a flamethrower. I have like, he's like, I'm here for it. Like he's one of those droids. He's like, yeah, I'm here for it. Like he's, he's very energetic for a droid. You know, he's got like that R2, like let's do it personality. But with the C3PO, like I have to explain and talk to you about everything as it happens sort of thing. And I think he's got the nice little gonk droid like body. So that, that, that really gonk droids are like the sexiest droids in star wars let's be real so best of all the droids but um he's a great character i don't know does your book copy have pictures in it does in the page yeah i don't recall a test of courage having did it have pictures it had, i think two or three just like this one did yeah okay i think in a shorter story these definitely popped out a bit more test of courage was like 300 something pages or something yeah, the so, test of courage. With, yeah. I don't recall the pictures being that cool. Like this one, when they, when you see the, uh, what's it called, the rig, rag scythe or something like that. You the rag scythe. The, the, yeah, yeah, that was a really, really cool image. Yeah, because then you could see, like, I it was, I was always, I know they kept on comparing it to, like, okay, it's like a Nexu but worse, mm-hmm. but like that's not really helpful to me. Like, I guess yeah, there were a lot of teeth, but then when I saw it, I was like, whoa, it's huge. You got these long spine really like legs that are stretching yeah i mean it, it was it yeah, was very was cool to see that um trying to find it. i also like that the ending you could see you know the final standoff you get to see zine and lula mm-hmm. and rom you know and they're fighting off the drenger ships and they're on the drenger platform yeah, right that, yeah that one was awesome that looks amazing yeah and then i guess pull up the one with the drenger too if you can because that one was a great great shot too um I agree with you, what you what you're saying about the Drengir though. Like they're definitely more comic like fitting characters than they are book characters. But I, I liked how they were used here. I, I, I did yeah, like you know, fighting off the Nile ships. I, I like that, you know, we've seen the question is like, okay, will the Nile and Drengir work together? It's more like the Nile will use the Drengir, right? Like as seed pods, throw them out there. And the Drengir were like, Yeah, well, this is our planet. We'll have so many fresh meats. And, you know, in, Into the Dark with the station and everything and being there for years and years, I think it's very fair to say that, you know, older, longer-lasting Drengir, corrupted by the Sith power and everything more so, are more terrifying and darker and they have a whole planet to themselves. Versus Drengir here, when they're kind of more younger, you know, kind of first spreading out, they're a bit more naive, a little bit more... They're funnier, too, for sure. Um, it was interesting, because now I think this is our first real acknowledgement of like they want fresh meat they don't want dead meat right um and that they can pilot ships kind of as like some strange you know like by the end they take over one of the ships and Mm -hmm. they crash into like a tree and a bunch of other surfaces but they they get flying off which honestly makes a lot of sense because i don't think that uh drengir are just willingly being planted by the nile the whole time i think they also have those like um, hyperspace pods off of the maxing station, so that's probably started that off. But if they want to move planets, they can. You know, they they're sentient; they can think. Rom connects with them with the Force, and kind of tricks and explains to them like, "Hey, they're not; they weren't just destroying buildings; they're killing." That's the whole point of the Nile, right? Um, 
And I, I wish they were used a little earlier. Like when we first hear, see, like Rom first is flying to the tower, he sees mm-hmm. it happen. But like then he, you know, obviously the, with the restraints of Rising Storm, he has to go back, talk to the Nemoidian officer who's just a dumbass and get get it working. But obviously the Nile, it, it's a little bit, it, like you said, it is a bit weaker for his story. It's more goofier. Um, it was always stronger when he was with the 18 and the muskrat creature things. But once they, you know, once they finally got back to Lula and paired together, then he felt really fun as a character. And with the pictures, with just everything going on, yeah, I mean, it was a fun, fun, fun book. Um, I, I mean, I am, it's interesting now that the Jedi also understand that, at least these Padawans understand that, okay, now that we went to Triment 4 and talked to the Elder, now that they know that there's a weapon, that's very powerful that's being used. Obviously, we know that in the Rising Storm as the leveler, but there mm-hmm. could be more to it. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, so now I guess like now the Jedi have an understanding. So I guess um, I can see the Tromac, Elder, uh, Elder Tromac kind of, is he dead? I don't know if he's dead. I think he's with Yoda, isn't he? I don't, yeah, I don't think he's dead. He, yeah. We thought he was dead, but he comes back. He comes back. He flies with Yoda on their mission. It's referenced in this book that Yoda's just, MIA right now, so I expect to see a little bit more of that story. I expect to see the Padawans maybe try to see if they can reach out with more information to Yoda, or find out, or maybe Yoda comes back into the picture and he plays a role in the story. You know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I think um, I think the way Crash Point really fits into the story of Rising Storm is great, but I think it also adds more interesting threads than I expected to for the future. And being such a quick read and having characters that are, you know, Joining in, I mean, I'd like to see more Emery. I think Emery was just not in this book at all. Obviously, Test of Courage is like you know it has him deal with some darker emotions and feelings um, after losing Douglas Sunvale as his master and stuff like that. But I, I'd like to see him interact with Rom and uh, with Lula and uh, Vern a lot more. I think he's a character who would bounce off buddy buddy pretty well with. Rom, I think they have different enough personalities, but I, I'd, I'd see them being chummy Jedi, like, you know, just very much in tune with each other, different, but friends. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think Race to Crash Point did exactly what it wanted to do. It wanted to flesh out the Drengir threat. It wanted to add more context. I mean, obviously, Ty York is fleshed out really well. Instead of just being connected to Elzar, we can see her, like, you know, pop in and out with these Padawans and stuff. And, um, I mean, it's only guaranteed I'm reading High Republic Adventures all the way through now. Like, this is definitely a book that's got me, like, invested. Test of Courage was like, okay, this is cool, this is fun, all right. Into the Dark was like, this is cool perspective, this is more Drengear, okay, that's cool, that's fun, all right. But now it's like, okay, and that is a setup for the Drengear, especially as a book. So that's your, under, you understand the justification for that book, but it feels like Wave 3 now has so much more crisscrossing and i'm really excited for that yeah i'm kind of with you there like i think a test of courage could be considered the better story in terms of like character development and you get you get into those characters heads a lot more than this this is very breakneck fast-paced you don't get to really spend time with these characters but at the same time this is far more connected to the overall main plot point of wave of phase one wave two because this right. is like right in the center of the heart of that where test of courage 
was affected by the great disaster, but really had nothing to do with any of the other plots that are happening during the great disaster or in light of the Jedi. So even though they came out on the same day, there's not that much to really connect the two of them to make you feel like a nice, this, this felt like a nice thing to read after having just read the darkness that is the rising storm. This is kind of like a little bit more of a lighter uplifting look at the Jedi from the point of view of people who like go, well, you know, I guess we did get attacked by Nile at the Republic fair, but we won. And it's more of an uplifting look at that versus how the rising storm ends, which it keeps going after the, uh, the Republic right, fair. It, right, it ends yeah. in a more tragic note. So I definitely recommend reading this. If you want to read everything, like I, I think, as I said, when we were talking about a test of courage in the past, I think we said it's a really good, like probably the best junior novel I've read, but it also doesn't connect directly to everything. So if you are trying to skip something besides the characters, it doesn't plot wise, doesn't build much of that moment with the great disaster, but this definitely builds on, on this phase. And, and so I think it's definitely worth reading if you have the time and it's very short. I, I know the, the physical copy is 199 pages and that's with like the pictures in there as well. And with certain pages being taken out to say like part two, part three so it's really probably about 185 pages and it's small font and short and like a small sized book so mm -hmm. it's really like i said I'm, I'm a slow reader and i read it in a couple hours so it's definitely a nice little uh tag to the rising storm and and if you're reading the high republic adventures i think it's absolutely a must read and and it, it's made that comic a little bit more relevant to the main story as well so yeah I there's a lot there's a lot more with the padawans now that i'm like oh yeah. i'm invested now yeah right yeah, that's I'm I'm with you there because I, I that that book always felt like it was it was there it was fun it was coming out but it didn't really have anything to do with the overall story now now we feel like we're getting a little bit more tied in I think that's where we've got to wrap up Brace to Crash Point Tower and then we let's let's talk about first um, the Rising Storm because we did release our our full spoiler review of that. And as I said, it's up there on the channel on YouTube. If you want to check it out, check out our YouTube, Star Wars Lads on YouTube. It, it's an hour-long review, and we really go in-depth on the on the book and just kind of give our thoughts on everything. Our, the characters, we go into like Stellan Geos and Elzar Mann and Ty York and Marcia and Rowe and Niall and basically every major plot point that's in the book and the way it ends and kind of speculate towards the future. So definitely want to check that out if you had but. Yeah, we both really liked it, and we think loved it. it. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fantastic addition to this universe, and a great a great sequel to Light of the Jedi. And so, if you've liked that book, you absolutely have to check the Rising Storm out. So, obviously, don't watch our review if you've never read it. But if you've read it and you want to talk about the book more and hear more, and people talk about it and give their opinions and their their predictions on what could happen next definitely check out our review. It's on YouTube right now, as well as our comic review. Cause we usually, this is usually where we do comics, comic review for bounty hunters. Number 14, which was the only new star Wars comic this week is now up on YouTube as well. So if you are following along with our comic reviews weekly, as I said, at the beginning of the show, that will be coming out on Wednesdays now, but we were one day late with it this week. So it came out on a Thursday, but you can check that out. It's up as bounty hunters, number 14 spoiler review on star Wars lads, YouTube channel. So just those two updates, and I think that's going to finish off our show pretty quickly. 
Uh, do we? Yeah. Do we want to run through what we're doing right now? I'm honestly not doing. Yeah. That. I mean, not much on my end. I just finished. I'm like, I'm in the last few pages of the Eye of the World of the Wheel of Time. I'm getting there. I, I am going to be using this podcast to push people to watch a Wheel of Time when it comes out. So just, just be prepared for that. Um, been rewatching a lot of Rick and Morty since I lost it. I watched all of it last summer, but. I've been watching the season five episodes and I'm like, okay, I need to remember some things. So I've been doing that. Um, Loki has just been on fire. I loved the last episode. Um, yeah, I mean, besides that, I think I'm going to watch Black Widow at some point this weekend. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I haven't really been doing much and focusing on these books uh, out in my free time for the most part. But now I'm ready to get back to other things. I did go see Black Widow last night. It was nice to be back in a theater, but it was pretty much full of people. And uh, there were some cheers and some claps, and it just felt good to have that kind of experience back. And uh, I, the movie was good. I, I enjoyed it. It's definitely very Jason Bourne inspired, which I was happy about. It has a lot of very physical action sequences and a lot of, a lot more violent than most Marvel films that have ever come out. Because most of the violence in Marvel has been more sci fi violence or. Or CGI violence, where you know, mm -hmm. even if a character gets their arm cut off or their head cut off, it's CG and it's alien, so not as impactful. This has a lot of physical violence where people get their arms broken or stuff like that, and and it shows it. And so it's a lot more aggressive of a Marvel movie, but it is still a very entertaining film and and definitely a good way to get back to Marvel in the theaters. I I definitely recommend seeing it this week. Also, I. There are not really any other movies coming out for a while. I, I mean, I'm not excited for Space Jam. I know you probably are. I mean, I'm here, I'm here for the memes. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I, I'm, but yeah, Suicide Squad, I'm really excited for. That's in a month. So yeah. go check out Black Widow if you're into Marvel at all. But I think that's going to wrap it up for our show this week. Uh, it's a little shorter show because we, we cut out a few elements. But like we said, go check those videos out for the comic and the rising storm those are up on youtube as well you can follow us on facebook uh, star wars lads on facebook instagram at star wars lads on instagram we also have a tiktok at star wars lads on tiktok we also have an email star wars lads podcast at gmail.com you can send questions comments concerns any of those social medias especially if you're listening on podcast platforms and you don't have a way to comment and let us know what your thoughts are on our show what you'd like to change and as we said we're doing new segments new new styles of shows every monday and throughout sometimes multiple during a week but mostly on mondays every week from here on out so we're going to give you more more content on youtube so let us know which types of content you'd like to see what what uh variety of shows and we're we're going to just experiment with a bunch of different formats and see what you guys like most and what you guys like least so check those out as we said on Mondays, also comics Wednesdays, if you haven't heard us say it a million times this week, Wednesdays are our new comic reviews, and we're also going to be reviewing any new books or anything else that come out pretty much as soon as we finish them. So they'll probably be on random days. We'll let you know on social media. We'll let you know on our YouTube if we have decided on a day. Obviously, Out of the Shadows is the next big book that's coming out, and that doesn't come out till end of July. So probably we, we like to get those reviews up within a week of getting the book. So we'll probably have that review up for you sometime midweek. The week after maybe well, maybe we'll aim for the tuesday after but we'll get we'll talk on that a little bit closer to when it's released if you're watching on youtube please like comment and subscribe 
Like we said, if you subscribe and hit the notification bell, you'll get a notification every single time we post a new video, which will be minimum four times a week. We still have our podcast coming out. Like you watch, if you watch this today or listen to this today, it's still coming out every Friday afternoon, mainly focused on the Bad Batch until that's over, and then we'll let you know the changes to it then. If you can't watch the full episode of the podcast some weeks, but you'd like to still hear our thoughts on certain things like from the Bad Batch or from any other topics of that week, check out the segments that we post on Saturday. We post all of the, pretty much the entire podcast divided into multiple segments of 20 minute, like 10 to 20 minute episodes, depending on the conversation, purely based on our discussions from that podcast. So if you are somebody who might not have time to listen next week because you're going out of town, no worries. You can still listen to the parts you want to listen to on the segment format on Saturdays. They release throughout the afternoon on Saturdays. So check us out on, on Anchor, Spotify, our Apple Podcasts. If you are an audio listener, if you're listening to this right now on audio, thank you so much for supporting us. And check out the YouTube on Mondays and Wednesdays for our other shows as well. And continue to support us on the podcast platforms as well. But that is everything out of the way. And we look forward to next week's episode with the Bad Batch. Finally, uh, getting really... We're getting close to the end. Five episodes left, and we have a lot of plot points to resolve. So we'll be talking about the Bad Batch episode 12 next week. We will also have reviews up for the newest comics on Wednesday and a new video up on Monday. So check all those out. We'll see you all next week, and take care. <laughs>